0: Hi, this is Alex Schumacher, writer and artist on Mr. Butterchips and Decades of Inexperience. And you're listening to Spoiler Country on the World Wide Web.
1: I am Steve the Robot filling in for Kenrick and Johnny. Whoa, 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 Steve, what are you doing? No, 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 I, I got this, I don't, you can go back to doing your thing. Oh, okay, sorry, I'll go back to typing out transcripts. Yeah. yeah, go back to writing some transcripts, all right. Hey guys, welcome back, today it's me, John, by myself, without Kenrick, as Kenrick is off today, so today, actually, let's do it like Kenrick, today on the show... Well, it's Alex Schumacher. You know, we had him on before to talk about decades of an experience with Casey, and today I sat down and chat with him about his new book, Mr. Butterchips, available now from SLG. So so let's not listen to me talking, well, listen to, well, listen to me and Alex talk, or Alex and I, or whichever formation of that verbiage you want to say, uh, talk about his new book, Mr. Butterchips, along with a lot of other fun things, because we, we kind of go off on a few tangents. So here you go. Here's Alex Schumacher in his own words. All right, guys. Welcome back. Today, I am sitting here talking with Alex Schumacher about his new book, Mr. Butterchips. Alex has been on the show before to talk about other things. Welcome him back talk about the new book, uh, Mr. Butterchips from SLG Publishing. Alex, how are you doing today?
0: You know, aside from the fact that my state is on fire, I'm um, <laughs> doing pretty good otherwise.
1: Yeah, your state on so fire is affecting my state, two states up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, like All the... You know, offshore winds and stuff are carrying it that far up north, which is kind of insane.
1: Yeah. Well, we got, we've got we got fires from down south. You guys coming up here, we got fires from Idaho coming over. And there's also a bunch of fires in western Washington now, too. So it's like everywhere around us is on fire. Luckily, where I'm at, it's not on fire. But I just see all the smoke and the ashes and the apocalyptic sun ha- that happens every other day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I sound like I'm complaining, but honestly, I know we're in one of the more lucky positions as far as Central yeah. Northern California goes. Cause <laughs> we're not actually, you know, in any imminent danger. But the smoke is definitely not fun.
1: No, it's not fun to be outside in the smoke but it always it, it tastes bad. It's not a good taste.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my voice, my throat's actually a little scratchy. So if that comes yeah. through in my voice, that's probably why.
1: It just makes you sound more hardcore. It's fine. Like you're a hardcore smoker. Yes. <laughs> you know, cigarettes yeah, I, I, and booze you
0: know, two packs a day you know, <laughs> about mr butter chips
1: well i mean it, it fits mr Butterchips, chips right
0: <laughs> it does so we'll just tell everyone that i smoke two packs a day
1: there you go it just it's a, it's an autobiography you are the monkey it's fine <laughs> that's
0: right that's actually what i look like um, people, people don't know that but yeah it's self-portraiture
1: i assume the vest no pants and and, and hat right
0: yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I do get some stares when I walk around outside, but you know what? It's price to pay for self expression. Yeah.
1: That's that's their problem, not yours.
0: Exactly. That's <laughs> what I think too. I'm glad we agree on that.
1: I'm all for that. The whole you know the hat and and, and vest look it just rock it forever. It's fine. It never goes <laughs> out of style.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's for all seasons, man.
1: <laughs> so for those out there who don't know, let's start off by talking about you real quick before we get into my tips Why don't you give everybody listening who didn't hear the last episode you kind of a little bit about who you are and what you do uh,
0: i am a cartoonist or graphic novelist whatever you want to call it i create comics mostly i've seriously been doing it since about 2015 i started off with a web comic called decades of an experience i had dabbled a little bit before that and did a graphic novel called The Unemployment Adventures of Aqualung for Arcana Studios (laughs) in 2013. Nice. So I've done a few things here and there and took a couple of detours into music and animation and, you know, fields like that, but found my way back to comics. And like I said, in 2015, I've been just sort of going full steam ahead since then. And I, you know, write my own stuff and I tend to do most of the artwork myself for the comics that are out right now anyway. And so, yeah, I'm with a literary agent right now who's pitching some graphic novel properties. So, you know, just trying to progress every day and (laughs) putting stories out for people to read. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is just, you know, sharing those stories.
1: Nice. You know, I, I, I write and draw comics myself as well. I've been doing it for since Oh three web comics and then little horror comics here and there, nothing major, but just for fun on the side stuff. But it's funny because you say cartoonist, when I was a kid, I wanted to be, I wanted to draw for Marvel and DC. I wanted to draw Batman and X-Men, you know, when I was in my teens. And I was very much against the term cartoonist. To me, a cartoonist was somebody who drew like Archie, you know, right. somebody who drew like Donald Duck, which no, no offense to me, I mean, those are amazing. Those are great books in their own right. But I wanted to be like Jim Lee and, and Todd McFarlane. Now, they're not cartoonists, they're artists.
0: <laughs> right. No, and I think that's true. You know, there's these arbitrary distinctions that we tend to place on names <laughs> like that. and. You know, I tend to think of cartoonist because you could say, you know, you're a comics artist or a comics <laughs> illustrator when you're right. mainly focusing on the art side. Uh, for me, cartoonist means you write and draw your own work. But it yeah. has somehow taken on this negative connotation <laughs> over the years, to a degree, which is kind of funny. So, you know, I know there's graphic novelists. Mm-hmm. People say that, too. And some people in the industry tend to, you know, grimace and grouse about that. A little bit because they think it's maybe too highfalutin, right? But for me, honestly, I don't care what they call it if it's you know bringing some attention or an audience to the medium that it didn't have before. I don't really care what you call it.
1: It's same, and I'm I've gotten over the whole cartoonist thing, obviously in the last like you know ten twenty years. But every time I I hear cartoonist, my brain goes back to man, when you were a kid, you were an idiot.
0: Well, sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all tend to, you know, develop specific associations with those things when we're young. And, you know, as we grow and hopefully mature, uh, you know, I don't know if I can support myself on that. But I'm older, maybe not more <laughs> mature. Uh, but, you know, we, we tend to expand those, uh, you know, worldviews a little bit. And I think cartoonists is one of those things that People tend to come back to and go, oh yeah, it's not just this throwaway term.
1: No, it's it's. I mean, I think you're right too. A cartoonist is somebody who more does the, they're creating the whole cartoon because I mean, comics are essentially a, a static page cartoon, right? I mean, it's in its most easiest explanation form. It's a cartoon that just doesn't move essentially, and you're creating yeah, the story yourself. So you're you're doing both sides of it. So I kind of, I mean, you, it makes sense. A cartoonist is somebody who writes and draws and creates the whole thing, not just does one aspect of it.
0: Right, and I think you know when you're talking about you know, comic books, you know, monthly right. floppies or any of the direct market, it's more of an assembly line thing where you have a writer and yep. an artist and a letter and all that, which is necessary. Cause a lot of the times you're putting those out monthly, right? So it's a little bit, you know, those distinctions are a little more necessary, but you know, the people who do the newspaper comics or web comics or things like that, I think the, the umbrella term of cartoonist is more than applicable.
1: I agree. I agree. So, I certainly
0: don't take offense to it. I think I used yeah. to, you know, <laughs> like, you, like we were just saying, there was this bizarre uh, sort of, I don't know if it was pride or, or, yeah. I don't know, some pretension that I had where cartoonists didn't sound <laughs> noble enough. Or, right, like, right. Uh, yeah, I've definitely gotten over that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So hard segue left turn off of that. Let's talk about Mr. Butterchips yes. Butter a little bit. What's the, yes. what's the elevator pitch for the, for the, for the comic?
0: I usually say curmudgeonly capuchin working in the customer service field, raging against the dying of the light. <laughs> that's my elevator
1: pitch. I like the curmudgeonly capuchin. That should be a t shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah, the alliteration that just works nicely there. I also say maniacal monkey sometimes to throw that in, but oh. as long as there's alliteration, I
1: think yeah. that works. Alliteration is, I mean, that's a powerful tool, in, especially in the comic world, because it makes it memorable and it makes it fun.
0: It does. I mean, why does Marvel name most of their characters in alliterated styles like that? You know, Bruce Banner and Reed Richards and Peter Parker. Yep. You know, it, it works, and it there's something that it triggers in your memory that makes it, you know, easy to recall. I think, or at least easier, easy to retain. Maybe
1: it does. It, well, it's a brain trick, right? Because as a writer, you're tricking people's brains into remembering what you say. It's it's if it's, it's the same thing as doing like you know, rhyming names that rhyme because it makes your brain remember I it faster. Feel-
0: I feel like with my comics, I'm tricking people into things all the time, like, you know, enjoying it. So <laughs> for me,
1: it's just all part of the game. Well, if people are buying it and you keep – you're doing it You're doing it for multiple years, somebody has to be enjoying yep. it, right?
0: Yeah, I hope so. And, you know, I sort of use self-deprecation a lot because, yeah, I don't yeah. know, it makes me feel better or something. Well, you're a cartoonist. But, but no, so. I do – yeah, because <laughs> I'm um, and people do seem to enjoy it, and there, you know, there's a little bit of a following now. And I appreciate, you know, everybody who does go out of their way to read it and <laughs> buy the book. So I, I definitely don't want to sort of insult <laughs> you
1: know,
0: the integrity or the intelligence of my audience because I appreciate all of them, every single one of the seven who read it.
1: All seven of them. Yeah, all seven of them are great. All I mean, seven,
0: yeah, they're <laughs> wonderful. No, we just, all have Thanksgiving day no. Right,
1: I would say all, if there's only seven. You should know them all by name by now. <laughs> <laughs> right, they do. Thanks, mom and dad and and, and oh, sorry. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody count
0: my dog in the readership, right?
1: I, it's. I mean, if you look at the pictures, it's fine. It's you know, dogs can see pictures. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, where did you get the idea for this curmudgeon monkey?
0: In initially, Mister Butterchips was part of an ensemble uh, group. For a comic strip that I was drawing in my twenties, my main goal, the thing that I was striving and working towards was getting into newspaper comic strips. Mm -hmm. That had been something that I, you know, had a fondness for since I was a kid. And Mr. Butterships was part of a larger group. And like I said, an ensemble uh, cast for this one comic strip. And the comic itself was You know, thoroughly mediocre (laughs) and didn't end up (laughs) progressing very far. And I tried to even repurpose it as an animated series at one point, but that (laughs) didn't really go anywhere either. And the other characters were just not as interesting, I think. But Mr. Butterchips was always one of those characters that I found kind of compelling and intriguing in a way that I knew I wanted to do something with him at some point, and I didn't quite know what. Hmm. So fast forward you know, several years. And I had a short story published by drunk monkeys magazine, which is the, uh, site that hosts Mr. Butterships now mm-hmm. and the editor in chief at the time, the he, and the founder, who's a guy named Matthew Garucky, uh, asked me if I wanted to do a comic feature for their site. So I sort of reached back into the annals of characters that I had <laughs> And Mr. Butterchips just seemed like a perfect fit for a site called Drunk Monkeys, and, and it wasn't even necessarily quite that contrived because I was actually sort of repackaging the character for uh, some sort of comic uh, on his own anyway. So it was just sort of the perfect <laughs> storm of a host for it and right. you know you know revamping it. So it started out as an homage to the classic underground comics of the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s. right? And that was, it, it debuted in April of 2016. So let's take you back to a much simpler time.
1: <laughs> much better um, time in the world.
0: <laughs> much better time, much simpler time. You'd go Although outside. The wasn't on fire. Right.
1: Uh, Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> so it debuted then, and again, it was just sort of this, it carried this pastiche of the, you know, comics by people like you know, Robert Crum and Spain Rodriguez mm-hmm. and, and one of my favorites, Gilbert Shelton. Nice. And then the election happened in November and I just took a hard <laughs> left into sociopolitical <laughs> commentary. And you as, know, it was kinda for me to vent my Yeah, and it was just, you know, as as a lot of good art does, not saying my, is good art, but I think a lot of the most affecting art is from places of real emotion. And mm-hmm. So the continuation of butter chips for me was definitely a vessel in which I could put my frustration and my anger, but yeah, he didn't start out that way, but I think he definitely ended up finding his own voice. Once I went to the satire.
1: That's funny. So I kind of have a similar story with one of my kind of like, as you're saying that, I'm like, that's very similar to what I did. I did my, I I had a webcomic for years. So it was basically a story about me and my friends. And it's basically a way for me to make fun of my college friends right? My best friends. Sure. And it's all it was. And I did it for a while. And then I stopped. I mean, it wasn't, I'm not going to say that it was good because it wasn't, but it was fun for me, right? It was like really funny for like the five people I wrote it for, but it was published everywhere, you know, online. Perfect. But in, tw- in 2016, oddly enough, I decided to repurpose it a little bit. I, made, I, w- I did a daily webcomic on Instagram where I would draw, I would write and draw a comic every day. Which was a pain in the ass to do, by the way. But I did it for a year. That's
0: quite the undertaking. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, at the time, I had a five-hour commute to and from work via buses and a a a ferry boat, so I had plenty of time to sit and draw with nothing (laughs) else to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I repurposed it, and I I ended up changing a bunch of things and right modifying, like you know, taking characters out of them to make any sense, and getting into a lot of you know social and political commentary. And it ended up doing really well until I stopped doing it because I got tied into other things, but. Getting into that commentary aspect of this, you know, this indie drawn comic on Instagram, I ended up getting a lot of people interested in it. And then I stopped doing it because, you know, of five kids' work and life. But um, yeah, because
0: life happens. Right.
1: Because right. life's a thing out there. And I, I you know I'm not a full time artist. I, I have a day job that I've had for 10 years that, you know, pays all my bills. I do, you know, I draw for fun. So hats off to you for being able to do it full time because it's awesome. Um, <laughs>
0: it's, it's work. It's definitely it's, yeah. work because I did. It is work. You know, I had a day job up until February of this year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just started to be a full time thing for me recently.
1: That's cool. I mean, it's people, it's funny because I talk to people out there like fans because um, we've been doing the podcast for three years now, three and a half years. I've been doing podcasting for 11, 12 years. And I spent a lot of that time talking to comic creators and fans and going to conventions. And it's funny because a lot of fans think that writing and drawing comics or being a cartoonist, whatever, is just, you know, Oh, but you're just writing and drawing. So it doesn't take that long to do it. You don't. I mean, it's it's got to be super easy. I'm like, no. If you're full time at this, it's a grind. It's a huge yeah. grind. You're putting, and I in, think that's
0: a common misconception. Mm-hmm. You know, and and not to call anybody out who may think this, but all the readers see is sort of the end result. And if you're right. not at all involved with the production side of it, it's very easy to kind of have that perception of it. So, but, but yeah, I think more and more with the, you know, with how the internet has evolved over the last (laughs) you 10, 15 years, I think there's a lot more information out there, but it is definitely not, you know, a hop, skip and a jump (laughs) to the finish line. There's a lot of work that goes into it.
1: For sure. sure. Especially, especially you're
0: wearing all those hats yourself, you know, like you said, you know, you're writing, you're drawing, I'm lucky enough to work with editors, but some people edit their own stuff, color their own stuff you know, publicize and market their own stuff. So, (laughs) you know, it's a full-time gig for sure.
1: Marketing is the worst part of making comics. That's the part I hate is the marketing. It's grueling. It's grueling. I'm
0: terrible at it. I mean, I've been working with a a PR firm right now, as you know, um, Don't Hide, which are great, Melissa and, and, you know, they're wonderful. You know, for me, I need people to be a champion for me because I'm terrible at Trying to pimp my own work. I, if it were up to me, you know, the log line or something for my work would be, I don't know, it's pretty good. Maybe you should check it out. I'm stupid. Thanks. <laughs> so I need somebody who's a little bit more professional and a little bit more well versed in the, you know, marketing and playing up the or accentuating the talents of the specific person. I, I kind of need that.
1: Right. I think a lot of artists, a lot of cre- not just artists, a lot of creative people in general have a hard time marketing themselves because their strong point is making the thing, not talking about the thing, right? Like I know for myself, I've done, I've, you know, written and sold things and published, I had things published before and my hardest part, and I found talking to other people like yourself, you know, the hardest thing to do is say, well, I made this thing and here's why I think it's good. Cause all I want to do is like, well, here's the thing, you go have fun with it and just don't tell me if you don't like it.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And for me, and I'm sure a lot of artists have the same experience. Where you think something is great that you've done, but automatically, there's this bizarre switch that flips where you begin to second guess yourself. And that's something that a lot of people have to overcome. I had to overcome that to simply put that out on the web and, you know, let people see the artwork, because that's kind of terrifying for me, to a certain degree, or at least it was for a long time. And it was this hurdle this obstacle that I had to get past. Because if you want to be a professional, if you want to do this for a living, you know, creating comics or books or music or whatever it is, you have to let people in because those are the people that are going to allow you to continue in this vocation.
1: Exactly. And it's I don't know about you, but for me I find that the hardest part of when somebody's is critical of me, right? And they give me like they don't like what I'm doing. Like I don't mind I don't care if somebody has an issue with something I write or draw or whatever or, or music that I create, right? Because I, I also do music as well. If they're like, "Oh, I don't like this," here's what I don't like about it, and they give me, a, they tell me why. But it's the people who are just trolls and being mean, like that. Sure. <laughs> I've I don't I don't have the thickest skin for that, and I've had some I've had some because of the nature of what my comics over the years have been. I've had some people who are you know just lash out against me, which is you know interesting and not very fun.
0: Yeah. And you know, the thing that I've maintained, the the place that I've reached, I suppose, in, in my career, as it were, is I'm okay with people loving what I do, obviously, but I'm also okay with people hating what I do. Right. What I don't want is indifference. Right. <laughs> I feel as though if somebody hates what you're doing, you're still affecting them to the point where you have real estate in their mind. Exactly. If somebody's just apathetic about it, that's far more insulting to me.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. Cause whether they love or hate it, you're still, you've, you've gotten in there somehow at some point, which is exactly. Good. Yeah. So,
0: so give me your love, give me your hate. Don't give me your yeah. indifference because I will just
1: dismiss you. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause like if somebody buys it out of love or out of hate, you're they're still buying it. <laughs> Exactly. Buy money. my books
0: to burn them. That's exactly. fine by me because yeah.
1: I'm still getting your money. Exactly. Buy all of them multiple times, burn them at every book burning. It's fine. Just do it. It's okay.
0: Yeah, the whole idea of book burning, not that we have to get on this subject, but that whole <laughs> thing is just counterintuitive to it the so whole is. point of what they're doing. <laughs> like my, Anyway, yes. If you love or hate my work, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, I always, not to go off again, but it's always funny. And it's like, oh, they're cans on this person. They're going to smash all their cities or rip up all their shirts or whatever for this company. I'm like, you've already bought it. It says right, nothing. They
0: don't care. They're getting your money.
1: <laughs> like they don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> they really don't.
1: <laughs> so, to go back into Mr. Butterchips, because I feel like we're going to go on yes. tangents all day long, which is totally fine. I'm okay with tangents. <laughs> I will try and rip r- r- us back in. Book. Yeah, I mean, at some point, right? So, this is a... And an, an, f- pardon my ignorance, but is this the first published version of Mr. Butterchips? Like, in print form?
0: Yes, in print, yes. It's the first time it's been collected. Nice. And I it's kind of a full circle moment for me because I stopped creating comics when I was about eight or nine. I had been doing it all through childhood, which I think, you know, most kids do, at least most kids who then end up going into the arts, you're drawing when you're a kid. And I stopped when I was about eight or nine, got into a few different interests, music and, you know, a couple different things, baseball. Hmm. And then I found my way back in my early twenties because I discovered the independent comics of the late nineties. Cause I think part of my hesitation in actually pursuing comics was when I was growing up, I was inundated with artists like Todd McFarlane and right. Jim Lee and these people who their renderings are just drowning in light work. And Photorealistic to a degree that <laughs> I would never be able to achieve. <laughs> right, I think that was kind of daunting for me. I mean, I'm sure that was part of it, even if subconsciously. So, discovering publishers like SLG and Fantagraphics and Drawn in Quarterly, and seeing that there were these cartoonists, you yep. know, that were creating work that was emotional and you know deep with art that looked a little bit more like, you know, on my end of the spectrum was a revelation for me. So then to be published by SLG with the Mr. Butterchips collection has been gratifying in a way that's almost hard to quantify. (laughs) They're not quite as active as they were even five years ago, but to say I'm published by the same you know, house that put out books by Evan Dorkin yep. and Durf backdurf and Ariel Schrag and Roman Durge and Jonan yep. Vasquez. Oh yeah. That's pretty, you know, big notch on the belt. I think for me
1: anyway, Oh, it is SLG has put out some great stuff over the years. I've always loved perusing that because because I know if I go to an SLG book, same with fan graphics is you're going to get something that's not mainstream and it's going to have some quirk to it. And which is what I like in my books. I don't, Personally, I read a lot. I mean, I'm a big superhero comic fan because I grew up reading them, but I don't really read any of them anymore. My son does, and I I'll read what he reads just so I can talk to him about it. But for the most part, I want to read something new, something I don't want to say innovative, but something that's not static, the same. And uh, yeah,
0: I think it's something that's personal. Yeah, exactly. You know, those books tend to be a lot more personal than you know the Biff Bam Pow <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh, monthly floppies. They just tend to have a lot more of that not even the emotion of the artist that's creating it, but also the style. Yeah, You know, part of what I moved away from, from, you know, Marvel and DC, you know, part of what caused me to not really want to read those anymore was this cookie cutter style artwork. And I, and not to say that the illustrators are not good because there a lot of them are incredible, but it's this very specific style that it all kind of looks the same. And for me, I want to be able to, to read a book and look at the artwork and say, oh, you know, Raina Telgemeier did that. Oh, Judd Winnick did that. You know, oh, Jerry Kraft did that. You know, I want something that's very singular to the person that I, I feel like for me, that's a way to interact with the work on a level that you don't get from things like the Marvel and DC books. And even a lot of things by like image and stuff have that same, you know, st- proto you know, photorealistic stock <laughs> comic book <and laughs> illustrator style.
1: Right. Right. Well, cause it's just like images, you know, trying to hit that market too, but I get it. And people love that. And that, that's fine. But like, sure. but you know, it's the art in a book should be able to tell a story just as much as the writing. And you should be able to denote whose style of the art is it, is, it is in just as much. You can denote the writing, the who's writing it by the style of the writing, right there. It's, Absolutely. it's two yeah. art forms that marry together to make, you know, the greatest, you know, medium for stories ever comic books.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and that's the thing too, is, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the times people don't necessarily utilize the medium to its full potential because it is just like you said, the, the marriage of the words and the art and both have to work together. If you're just, you know, illustrating exactly what you're writing or you're just plotting instead of putting in some actual work with the narrative. (laughs) Right. You know, for me, that's not really using the art form to its fullest potential.
1: Right. And the way I see it, and I learned this a long time ago, and I've tried to make sure that I mimic this when I draw and I can look, you know, with Mr. Chip's page, you do it as well. I don't, I don't know if you do it intentionally or if it's unintentional, but for the most part, when you look at a page in a comic book or in a, a, whatever you want, a graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, if you removed all the words, you should still be able to get the gist of what's happening. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can't, if you can't look at a page without words and understand the basics of what's happening, then you have basically failed on that script as the artist.
0: I completely agree. And sometimes even that artwork can tell a different story yeah. than you know what the text may be telling. But it should be telling a story. As you right. said, you should be able to read the visuals in a sequential you know, Mo just the same as you would with the text in there, or else you're just not using it correctly, in my opinion.
1: Which is the, I got some, I got a piece of advice from, of all people, Joe Quesada years and years ago about drawing comic books. And essentially, I was talking about his show, and I, he was like, he goes, you know, when I asked him about what he looks for a new artist for Marvel, or whatever, you know, it's like early 2000s. And he essentially said, it's like, you know, I don't look for people who can draw ups. We don't look for, I don't look for people who can draw the most amazing looking Spider Man in the world. I look for two things. I look for, can they draw a car? Can I draw a background? <clears throat> and mm-hmm. if I look at their sample pages, does it tell me a story without words? If those right. two things don't exist, if they can't draw backgrounds and they can't tell a story with art, they're not worth my time.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's a fair gauge because we are in the business of telling stories. So if you're incapable of doing <laughs> that and you've focused on pinups this whole time, well, maybe you can you know, eke out some sort of living as a cover artist or something. but. right. To be hired as a comic book artist or to make, you know, a name for yourself as a comic artist, you need to draw comics. Exactly. And static images are not drawing comics.
1: Nope. Your your line work should have emotion. Your line work, your line work should also add to your story and you should be able to tell what's Absolutely. going on. Yeah.
0: That should be just as individual. For me, that should be just as individual as the art style itself because it's a part of that. It's woven into the same fabric.
1: So right.
0: So all of those things work together to create your unique style and i say all this and i'm sure there are people out there looking at my stuff going you're full of
1: shit because <laughs> you did not do any of this, but i i try i mean no but you <laughs> do though you do down. you do that though like, your art Look, Mr. Butterchips specifically, and the other stuff I've seen of you, it does tell a story without the words, and it is there is a style there. I mean, there is a consistent style throughout Mr. Butterchips. It's it's there. Okay. It's good. you know you have a certain style with your lines, which I was going to ask you about because you do you you do shading with your lines, but you do it in a very specific way, right? You do very specific hatching in, in your lines. You don't do cross hatching, but you do hatching. Well, it's just, there's some cross hatching, but for the most part, it's line work for shadows. And but it, it stylistically it goes, you know, it flows through it consistency. You know.
0: Okay. Good. That's good to hear then.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely there. It's definitely there. Don't I, I wouldn't fret about that.
0: <laughs> okay, good.
1: I actually love the style. I actually love the style that this is drawn in um, because I love this style of the indie, ha- like shadowing with lines and doing hard lines in some places and soft lines. I mean, I, I love that style because it's raw, it's emotional, and it, it, it adds to the element of like, specifically for this, this story, like, you know, the edginess of what it's about, it adds to that.
0: Right, right. And I think it's also something that you have to experiment with to play up your strengths. You know, I know where my weaknesses are in my artwork. I know what I'm not capable of, or at least, you know, not phenomenal at doing. And so the part of finding your style is figuring out, you know, which parts to accentuate and which parts maybe play down a little bit. And, you know, that's in anything. I think that's true in sports and music and and any other sort of artistic expression. You have to, find those areas and be aware of them. I think right. if you're going to put out a decent product,
1: exactly right. Be aware of your strengths, play to your strengths, but also don't shy away from your weaknesses because if you shy away from weaknesses, you'll never improve on them. You know,
0: exactly. No, that's true.
1: But yeah, definitely put your strength. I'm a big for, I'm a big believer in playing the strengths for not only, and not only just in artwork, but in anything you do in any, like, I, I work in the corporate world, right? Not to talk about my day job too much, but I work in the corporate world, and I used to work on a support team, and I'd have managers that I worked with, because I was a manager there, who would want to just have everybody on the team do the same thing. Like, everybody has the same goal, same everything. And I'm like, well, I get why you want that, but we have people who excel in certain aspects and aren't great in other ones, and then we have other people who excel in those ones that aren't good in. So why don't we have the people who are really good at, A do a and people who are really good at B do B. And then by nature of people doing what they're best at, the whole team itself will get better. You know?
0: Oh, that just makes too much sense. John, why are you trying to speak logically?
1: Dude? I, I had so many conversations with upper management about that. They're like, no, you're wrong. It has to be this <laughs> way. I'm like, give me, no, you're okay. But play to strengths. And then teams I on now it's like, we, you know, obviously now you, I want, I'm in engineering and you play to strengths and it works. God forbid, you know, yeah. yeah
0: and I think, you know, comics are no different. Exactly. And- so, so I've, you know, it's something it's, it's always in progress. I think your style, even if you find something that's unique unto yourself, it's always going to be, you know, in a state of perpetual progress because you're going to come across different influences and different inspirations and then weaving those in to your own artwork and your own storytelling, you know, toolbox a little bit. So it's forever in flux, which is okay. I mean, that's right. a good thing. So, you know, for me, yeah, it was definitely whittling it down to sort of the core of where I excelled, and mm-hmm. you know, playing down things that maybe I <laughs> wasn't as great at, because then that gives you time to work on that, which I think everybody should.
1: Right, right. So, I want to ask you a question about the actual art process you used for Mister Butterchips. Sure. Are you? And I think I already know the answer because I've seen some stuff online, but I just want to ask it anyways. Are you drawing this like pencil ink traditionally and then hand lettering in this, or do you do this digitally? How do you create the pages?
0: Yes, it's all traditionally done. Uh, with. It's on Bristol board pen. You know, I use a, a non-photo blue pencil, which is a trick I learned from some uh, professionals I knew in the animation industry um, because they use that in animation. So when they're scanning it or you know, putting it into the computer, it doesn't pick up those pencil lines. So I yep. don't have to erase it at all, which is incredibly convenient when you're doing <laughs> it traditionally.
1: And so saves time. I, I, saves time.
0: Yeah. So I draw with the non-photo blue pencil, ink with microns, so archival pens, yep. and the nibs on them have some give, so I can have some variances in the line weights, which yeah. I prefer. Uh, so it's not quite a brush, but it gives some of the similar... Uh, Right aesthetics to it.
1: Microns are great. I've used microns for years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're wonderful. And so then I scan it in. Oh, I do hand letter as well, which I'm trying to figure out a way to have my own font made, which I know you can do. Mm -hmm. And that would not only save time, but save, you know, the, the stress on my hand (laughs) because hand lettering is a lot of work.
1: I guess it is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I scan that in, clean up in Photoshop, add gray tones in Photoshop, but mostly it's all traditionally done by hand. And, you know, recently I've kind of been contemplating moving over to digitally, picking up like an iPad pro or, or Mm -hmm. something, you know, I love the feel of traditional drawing. It's what I grew up doing. I was born in 1980. So I'm kind of, you know, I grew up with the old school traditions when I went to, you know, I went up to the Bay Area in my 20s and met a lot of the greats who were up there at that time. So, so that was my education. And part of that was the, all of the traditional work stylings. <laughs> uh, but having said that, I'm also environmentally, you know, minded. And I, I feel like continually buying paper and drawing things traditionally might not be the best for right. climate change. So most likely I'll have to come to some sort of reckoning with that and <laughs> and switch over. But for everything that's in the Mister Butterchips book, that's all done by hand
1: traditionally. It's hard to switch digital. I have an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil, yeah. and I love it. It's so much fun to draw on, but it's not the same. Like it's not the same as drawing on paper with with an, uh, the pen or the pencil. It, it does feel different. I have a hard time. So. On my iPad pro I can color, I can digitally color on it really well. I can do digital paintings, no problem. And I, those are fun to do, but when it comes to actually for me doing like an actual, like uh, spread, a page, it doesn't feel right. Like it, for me, it just doesn't feel like I'm drawing right. So I I always go back to using actual paper to draw actual pages. Then I'll color it on my iPad or I'll do like a painting or whatever, but it's just, it doesn't feel the same.
0: Yeah. And I think part of it for me would be finding the, the right tools and the right technology to use. Because for me, there's just been with the tablets that I've tried out, there's just been too much of a disconnect between, yep. you know, where my hand is, what I'm drawing on the tablet and what's actually coming out on the <laughs> screen. So it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, sort of an adjustment period, yeah, a, a learning curve to some degree. But I do think it's probably better for the world overall.
1: <laughs> right. And,
0: and it's going to be, I mean, mm. that's why a lot of people are moving that way anyway. Plus, Everything is printed digitally. You yep. know, all files are sent digitally. So it sort of cuts out an extra step as well, which is an added benefit.
1: Right. And it makes it also does make you have to modify something a lot easier because you can easily move stuff around.
0: Yeah. And it's far more portable. You know, if yeah. you get something like an iPad Pro, you could do that at a coffee shop or at, you know, you know, like on a commute, like you said, whereas yep. drawing on 11 by 17 Bristol board is a little <laughs> bit <laughs> some when you're trying to take that out into the world.
1: Hey, I once, uh, when I was in college, I was inking this talent Marvel talent search for a Thor page. I was doing it at the commons of my college, and I actually got a girl to come talk to me while I was doing comic books. It was kind of cool. So it can work sometimes. I mean, she talked once and left, but, you know, whatever.
0: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, I've always found I am happily married now. Yes, um, me too. And have been for many years. But yeah, when you're young, I think. Part of that is <laughs> seeing if that might attract some attention from the opposite set, because most of us, as cartoonists or illustrators, are not really good at many other things. Right, We're certainly not athletically inclined for the most part. And true. I know that's a rash generalization, but I feel like it's it's, it's proven to be it's true. It's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. So for us, a way to sort of attract attention uh, is is to illustrate. But it, there's always inevitably what happens is somebody will come over. And show interest. And then what they want you to do is draw them.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly.
0: That's when I lose interest because I say, no, I can't do that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Can you draw Can you draw me a tattoo? I've got that yeah, one so yeah, many times. I mean, I'm
0: absolutely terrible when it comes to things like caricatures yeah. and, and portraits. So as soon as they ask that, no, it's over. I'm <laughs> like, I can draw you a drunk monkey. Yeah. Yeah. I can that draw I you. excel at. <laughs> I can draw you a
1: very bad version of you that's going to look nothing like you, but –
0: Right. Yeah. If you want a Picasso version, you know, or or some sort of like cubist (laughs) version of yourself, sure. Something you're going to hang up on your wall? No, that's not what I would produce for you.
1: You know, I think as an artist, that's probably the most frustrating thing is when people find out you're an artist at at, at any level or any style of art. The first thing they want is you to draw something for them and usually for free and – it's because just, you love doing this, why yeah, would not you
0: just yeah. you know whip that up for me in five minutes? Exactly. You know? It's just because like we randomly will call plumbers and tell them yeah. to come over and fix
1: our sinks for the exposure, right? Exactly. I I, I'll,
0: I promise to tell my friend about your business and yeah. you come over. And,
1: for free. <laughs> right. Well, it's crazy because like I, I work in the you know in the computer world, so I get this. I get the same thing from like oh you can fix my computer, you can fix my router for me, and yeah. it's like come on, you, I, I'm not going to call you up to do my accounting for free or to come over and drywall my new bathroom for free, you know, or for exposure for all I'll talk about my friends. Like, come on. It's like, these are professional things that take talent and skill to do. People need to respect that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, you know, shifting a little bit pivoting, but still kind of on the same uh, thought process. I added a 22 page story to the back of the Mr. Butterchips collection, because you can find all of those strips online for free. You can read them on the drunk (laughs) monkeys website. Right. However, if you want that 22 page story or the pinups, you know, the gallery in the back of illustrations by some friends of mine in the industry, you have to get the book. And I think you have to incentivize something like that to a degree, because if I was just collecting the individual strips, well, you can always read those online. Why would you buy the book?
1: It's a hard sell that way. Yeah. that's a, the hardest part about web comics is how do you market it after the fact? Because people have already read it for free, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you have to have some supplemental content in there. You have to have something. Yeah. So I actually have a forward by uh, an editor friend of mine named Kevin Kettner, who was formerly of Dynamite um, Entertainment. He wrote a very nice forward for me. Uh, Like I said, I have, I think, five or six pinups in the back by uh, some really great illustrator friends of mine, one of which is Keith Knight, who does the Kate Chronicles and just had his Hulu series, Woke. Premiere. So I'm giving him some.
1: Oh, free, nice!
0: Uh, I, <laughs> publicity. I just saw that last night uh, when then, I was
1: watching TV. I was like, "Oh, that was cool."
0: Yeah, that's Keith. So he has a, a awesome. pin up in my book, and then a little bit of a history on the monkey as well. So I feel like if you're asking somebody to pay money for a book like that collects a lot of things that are already online for free, you need to give them something extra to actually want to pay for the book.
1: Exactly. I 100 agree with that. <laughs> I did the same so thing good. for my book.
0: Yeah. So that was fun to put that all together because, you know, I think it's pretty noticeable in the 22 page story that the artwork has progressed a little bit since the first strip and you could sort of, you literally watch that progression as you're going through the book, which I, I found to be kind of interesting and sort of discovered after the but it, it was, it was pretty cool to see that.
1: Nice. That's cool. I love watching art. One of the things I love about web comics is you can definitely see art progressions or in, even in indie comics, Someone's not a mainstream book. You can see the progression from start to finish because he's, and watching that oh, growth, sure. both in the writing and in the, the art is, is always fun for me. I, I love that aspect of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, yeah, with Mr. Brotherships, when you have it all, you know, in that, you know, in that consecutive order, Jesus, yeah. I can think of consecutive, apparently I haven't <laughs> enough coffee. Uh, In a consecutive order like that, you can literally see the progression. So that was, I think, pretty interesting. And then it was just fun to do a 22-page story, a longer format with the character. It was fun to do something a little bit different than just the one-page, you know, quick story, quick gag or punchline at the end. Just to kind of, I guess, gauge and see if I could do it.
1: Right, right. which is fun to test yourself and push yourself to do something you haven't done before.
0: Yeah, and and you know, from from what i the feedback that I've heard, people enjoy it. So that's a, a plus.
1: That's a plus. So if people want to pick up this book, Mr. Butterchips, where can they pick it up?
0: Several different places. You know, you could look on my website, alexschumacherart.com. I imagine those might be in the show notes for <laughs> people who will have some difficulty spelling <laughs> Schumacher. It will be. <laughs> uh, but on my site I have all the different places you can go. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. I actually saw it on the Walmart site, which is kind of funny. Cool. <laughs> uh, one that I would recommend is going through a website called IndieBound, because you can order it through your local bookstore. Oh, nice. And those establishments need our support right now. So yes, they do. So if you want to order it through them, I highly recommend going to IndieBound.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll link to that as well on the show notes so everybody can just go click on that and go right to it. Perfect. So since you, and last question for you, and then I'll let you go. Sure. Since you do everything traditional, do you sell your pages?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do on occasion. I was actually going to donate one to the Cartoon Art Museum of San Francisco. Oh, nice. So if anybody out there is listening and want to bid on one of the Mr. Butterchips pages for $100, which goes directly to benefit and don't, and, you know, for the Cartoon Art Museum, that might be something that's online soon. But I would definitely be... Up to selling other pages for myself if people were interested.
1: That's cool. And if they wanted to, how can they contact you?
0: You can go to again my website, Alex Schumacher Art. There's a contact form on there, or email me at alexschumacherart@gmail.com. At I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at AJ Schumacher Art, so you can you know holler at me there, as the kids
1: say. Do kids <laughs> still say that? I don't know. I, none of my kids say that, but I don't know. I have my kids they probably
0: don't. You know, I I didn't know hip. <laughs> colloquialisms when i was a kid i've never been cool in my life and i'm not gonna try now
1: yeah i i i I pretend sometimes i have a 17 year old son (laughs) who likes to be cool and i'm like i try and be the awkward dad with him it's it's hilarious
0: (laughs) that's just funny yeah
1: yeah it's it's fun
0: no that's why i write characters like mr buttership so you know it's a way to be cool by association
1: This is cool. I was never that cool, but this is cool. <laughs> no, I know yeah, that. But yeah. read my work and you'll think I am. Right. And then you're to no, I'm just a guy who draws comics and sits at home. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, you know, cuddles with my dogs at night because right. I'm lame. That's, that's not lame. That's awesome. I don't think it is. <laughs> I think, I think dogs are awesome. Yeah. We just got, we have three puppies. So yeah, dogs are great. <laughs> You probably hear don't, one don't of them. will
0: find the reins on my comics at some point, I'm sure.
1: Nice. You probably hear one of my, my dog, Ollie, who's a, a part husky. He likes to yip. So he's downstairs Very right enough. now yipping it. I
0: can definitely hear him in the back. Yep. He just yep. wants to be part of the
1: conversation. That's fine. He does. He, like, he likes to be on the podcast. He wants everyone to know that he's here.
0: <laughs> he's, he's the real star of this interview.
1: I mean, clearly. He's got more talent than both of us <laughs> combined. <laughs> well, Alex, I want to thank you again for coming on the show for, you know, a, is this like your second or third time? I don't even know anymore, but for more than one time. My second
0: time. Yeah. I spoke with Casey first. And nice. Now it's been a pleasure speaking with you. So I appreciate you inviting me back on.
1: Yeah. Well, if you have, when you have your next book coming out, the next milestone or something you want to talk about, you're more than welcome to come back on talk to one of us. We have those four of us total who do interviews. So one of us will happily talk to you. This was great. I had a lot Excellent. of fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hopefully that'll be for a graphic novel being sold in the very near future.
1: So That'll be good. We'll do it. We'll I'll keep you guys posted. It's a date. <laughs> All right, Alex, thank Thanks you well. so much.
0: Thanks, John.
1: And we're back. That was fun. Alex is a lot of fun to talk to. I, I have a lot of fun chatting with him. Yeah, Mr. Butterchips is a a good fun to read. Definitely check it out. Head over to the links in in the show notes below, uh, or just go search Mr. Butterchips, Alex Schumacher, or look up SLG graphics, or SLG whatever. I think it's... Go to search SLG on the internet and find the website and get it. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Mr. Butterchips is a a cool story. So definitely check it out. Thanks, Socks, for coming on. Uh, We look forward to having you on again for your next book, because you were a delight to talk to. Well, guys, that's a show, and... uh, if you like this, if you like what you hear, and you know, us chatting with webcomic creators or comic creators or actors or composers or anyone in the creative field, you know, head over to spoiliverse.com and check out all of our back issues or head out, open up any podcatcher, you know, on your iPhone or on your Android phone, or whatever, and just search for Spoiler Fun Train. you know, go there and just download all the episodes because, you know, you love us. And, uh, you know, while you're over at Spoiliverse.com, check out all our other podcasts, check out our other articles and reviews all the fun stuff we have that we have daily content coming out every day so go check it out the stuff about movies and comics and tv shows and anything in the pop culture world anything that's know, anything that's positive and fun is what we like to push so do that and while you're there click on that store link and go to our store pick up a t-shirt a hoodie a face mask or whatever and you know look fly as hell and help support the site and with that there's only one thing we have to do and that's in an ocean of podcasts we are a And as compels you you to
0: open the mind and read more in an ocean of
1: podcasts.